You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Yeah. 
of God, none can fathom. No mind can reconcile the contradiction of wrath and grace, of judgment and love. But within these cluttered perceptions about who God is, He whispers truth. For there is no contradiction in him. God is all in all. No one directs the limitless sovereignty of God. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, a creator fully involved in his creation, intimately weaving the tapestry of our lives with his infinite hands. It is here that we are invited. Invited to know Him, to love Him, to be set apart, holy as He is holy. Our path defined by Him, set in motion by Him, our gate measured by obedience and surrender. Submission to a sovereign and unchanging God. The nature of God, none can fathom. So we stand in awe, ready to receive the unfathomable.
Last week, we talked about sharing our faith. So I wanted to ask you, how did you do this week with sharing your faith? If your story has Jesus anywhere in the center of it, that story needs to be shared. If your story has the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding, there's someone in your circle of influence who needs peace, and your story needs to be shared. If, if your story has the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, someone in their life needs the joy of God. They're weakened by all the circumstances, by all the chaos in the world, and, and they need some joy in their life, so your story needs to be shared. All of us, all of us have a story. And when our story includes Jesus Christ, it needs to be shared. Someone is, is in a dark place. Someone is in, a, is in a chaotic place. Someone is in a very, very lonely place, and they need a friend in Jesus. And so... Last week, we talked about uh, chapter 10 of Romans, and, and we found that it is a very clear blueprint of how we should share our faith. And if you remember, the Apostle Paul was, was, was talking about his heart and how, how his, his heart was for his countrymen, the, 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 the nation of Israel, and how they needed salvation. They had not put their faith in Jesus. In fact, they were very zealous religiously. But their, their zeal for God missed what was most important. And most important was not what they could do for God, but what God had done for them by sending Jesus Christ. And there are so many people, so many people around us that, that they miss the greatest thing that we could ever find, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, I, I mentioned that we were going to talk about Israel. We're going to talk about the nation of Israel and, and, and look at why it's so important to, to the narrative, to, to the pages of Scripture. We find there that uh, both Old and New Testaments testify uh, of, of Israel and, and how God used them as his covenant people to, to, to bring uh, the Messiah, to, to actually bring Jesus Christ into this world. But we need to find out that uh, where did it start? And what we find is that the patriarchs, in other words, the, those early fathers of Israel, were far from perfect. Abraham, who's called the father of faith, he came out of this land called Ur. And in Ur, they were uh, polytheistic people. They believed in many gods. And the, the one true God called Abraham out to a land that he was going to show them. And then he said, the, as, he, as he spent this time with him and relationship, formed a relationship with him, he said, through you, Abraham, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so Abraham was promised this, this son that would be a, a, a part of that plan. And, and so Abraham had a son, his name was Isaac, and he had him at 100 years of age. And Sarah, his wife, was 90 so we know that God's in the God. He's able to do miracles in people's life. And so they had this miracle boy. And Isaac was the lineage in where this seed was going to begin to move forward. Isaac had a brother named Ishmael. And Ishmael was born to Hagar, who was the servant of Sarah. 
Abraham's wife. Well, there was a lot of tension there. And to this day, there's a lot of tension. In fact, uh, Muhammad, who was the founder of Islam, he claimed to have a direct lineage to Ishmael. And we know that there is a lot of tension between uh, the Jewish people and the Palestinian people. And so we see there that there is, there is from that line that, that, uh, that it's found. So it, Isaac had a son, and his name was Jacob. And Jacob was a very uh, deceitful young man. And he grew up with a brother named Esau. Esau was his older brother. And Jacob stole Esau's birthright. And, and when he did that, there was a lot of tension between Jacob and Esau. And so one night, as, as Jacob you know, run, runs away from, from, from his home, and he's, and he's out, and he's, there's a lot to this story, but we, we, I don't have enough time. And so Jacob, one night, as he's coming back, uh, he, he has a, a wrestling match with the angel of the Lord. And as he wrestles, he says, I want for you to bless me. And so uh, the angel uh, wrestled with him all night. And, and haven't we wrestled at times with uh, the, the, the messenger of God? And, and we've wrestled. And so um, Jacob wrestled. And as he did, uh, the angel of the Lord touched his hip. And, and Jacob limped from that day forward. But not only did he, did he walk with a limp, the angel of the Lord changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And so that's where we get the name Israel. And so Jacob's children, all his children became the nation of Israel and all the descendants that came after him. Moses was in that line. Moses met with God on Mount Sinai and God gave him the, the, the law, the Ten Commandments. And, and Moses brought the law down to the children of Israel. And, and they had a directive and how they're supposed to live their life. And what we've been finding in, in, in Romans is that the law that was given to the children of Israel was not given for, for them to be saved. It was given to them to understand that they need a Savior. And that Savior would not be Moses. That Savior would not be the law. That Savior would be Jesus Christ. And so now we come to chapter uh, 11. And, and the Apostle Paul is writing, and he himself was an Israelite. He, was, uh, he, he had been against the church. He had rejected uh, Jesus at one time and, and, and was a, a persecutor of the church. But Jesus himself, the risen Christ, he met Paul on the way to Damascus as Paul was going to, to play havoc and persecute the church. And as he did, Jesus changed Paul's life forever by his grace. And, and, and we find out that, that through that rejection, Paul's life was changed. But the apostle John also helps us to understand that when Jesus came to his own people, the Israelites, that, that they did not receive him. And, and in verse 11 of chapter 1 in the gospel of John, it says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. They rejected him. And you see that there are, there are, there are people in our lives that have, that have rejected the love of God. And it, it helps us to understand. It helps us to understand that even through rejection, God has a plan. Even through all the things that, that are around us, all the hostility, God has a plan. And that plan comes 
from that same mindset that Abraham, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Everyone who trusts in Jesus believes God and it's counted to us as righteousness. So the Apostle Paul, he, he uses three chapters, chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11 to write about his heart for his people, for his, his countrymen, for the ancestors of Israel. In chapter 9, he says this, With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Paul says, I would be willing to, to be cut off. I would be willing to, to sacrifice so that my brothers and sisters of Israel would be saved. And then in chapter 10, he starts out like this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Now, he wouldn't be praying for them to be saved if they were saved. If they needed to be saved, that's why he prays for them. And everyone who is saved, this is vitally important, will be saved through faith and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to the Father. In John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there are, there are, there are people that will teach that there, there are two tracks to God. There's, there's the track of the church, and that comes through faith in Christ. And then there's the track of Israel. And, and that track is a different track. And that you, you, you're, you're, you are brought to God through the, through the covenant of the patriarchs, through the covenant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But what we find through the whole biblical narrative is that there's only one way to God. And that's through Jesus Christ. Old and New Testament. Jesus was concealed in the old, but he's revealed in the new. Jesus told uh, the Israelites as they, as they were arguing with him, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And Abraham loved to see his day. And so we find that, that, uh, that, that faith in Jesus is what saves us. Um, the apostle Paul, as he starts out in, in chapter 11, he says this, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. See, what, what we need to hold on and grab a hold of is that God's promise to Israel will prevail. Paul is not saying that God has forgotten his people Israel. What God is saying is he's going to use whatever happens in this world 
Whatever he has laid out, he's going to use it for his glory. And it's all about bringing people to God. The title that 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 I gave to this message is God Won't Waste a Hardened Heart. Even when people harden their hearts toward God, he has the power to use it for his glory. So I want us to get, dig into to chapter 11, and I, I want to use three kind of evidences that God won't waste a hardened heart. The first evidence is the hardening is only partial. This hardening in, 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 the, in the people of Israel that we read in Scripture is a reality that it's, it's partial. It, it's not total. We have to remember that God always has a people who will represent him. These people may be small in number, but they're always big in significance. They're always big in impact. Here's how the Apostle Paul continues as he writes in verse 2. He says, No, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet, he complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. Elijah told God, everyone has turned away. Everyone, all my my, my countrymen, all my brothers and sisters of Israel, everyone has rebelled. Everyone is hard toward you. And God said to to Elijah, he said, no, there are still 7,000 men, 7,000 men of God who have not bowed their knee to the devil. You see, God has always and he will always have a remnant. A set of people who will remain faithful through his grace. And uh, the Holy Spirit needed needed Paul to to realize this for himself because of the rejection that he himself would face from his countrymen. As he would go to the synagogues and, and preach and share Jesus, he would face opposition and persecution. He would face rejection from those that he thought would receive and as we read through the book of Acts, we, 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 we find that, that even Peter and John, that as they would preach in the temple, they would be rebuked by the religious leaders. They would be imprisoned for preaching in the name of Jesus. And Paul would go to the synagogues, and, and while some would, would put their faith in Jesus, the religious leaders, they would turn many away and many against him. So Paul, he, he writes to the church in Rome, and he says, it is the same today, verse 5, For a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have. The ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. 
Notice that, that, that the Bible says that some have entered into this grace, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. But God is so merciful and so gracious that he always has a remnant. Paul said, I, for one, am a Jew, and I am the one that is writing to you. And it, and it helps me even when we look at our own country, America, where we sometimes can think, is there anyone walking with God? Why, why are the hearts of the people so cold? Why are the hearts of the people so hardened? It, it helps us even with our own families. When, when you see a, a, a hardened heart in, in one of your children or a hardened heart in one of your brothers or your sisters or your, or your parents, and you understand that there's always a remnant that, that God has placed you there. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you've opened your heart to the grace of God, that you are an instrument, an instrument. A, a, even though you may be few in number, your impact is great through the glory of Jesus. That's exactly what Paul was talking about here with Israel. The second thing that I want us to, to, to grab a hold of, the second evidence, is that the hardening is fruitful. God will produce fruit even if it's through few. Paul went on and he says, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. I'm going to pause right there. Paul said they were disobedient. They, they, they hardened their hearts. And God allowed that. And then he hardened their hearts. He said, if you want to go that way, I will harden your heart. And in their disobedience, it opened up a door for the Gentiles. He goes on, he says, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and to claim it for themselves. What, what are they claiming? Salvation. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. You see, God doesn't waste anything in life. In this instance, we see God uses hardened hearts to produce open hearts. It's a faith builder for us to know that though we may see hardened hearts in our families, in our neighbors, and in our country... We can trust God to produce fruit even through these hardened hearts. His plan is not complete until he completes it. He's not done with our families. He's not done with our neighbors. He's not done with our country. And he's not done with Israel. Despite all the rejection that Jesus faced on earth, he told his disciples, because he remained in the Father, he was one with the Father, and he told his disciples, if you are one with me, if you will hold on to me, if you will abide in me, you will be able to navigate through the difficulties of life. In chapter 15 of John's gospel, verse 4 and 5, he says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Now, let's just pause right there. Remain in Christ, and Christ will remain in us. There is nothing that a follower of God who has put their faith in Jesus will ever face alone. He will remain faithful, and he calls us to come near to him 
and he will come near to us. And he goes on and he, and he says this wonderful thing. He says, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And what we find from this wonderful scripture is that a life with God is a fruitful life. And it teaches us that Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the root. He is the stock that keeps us producing the fruit in our lives that need to be produced. And God will never waste a hardened heart. God will never waste something around us where, where someone is rejecting him. In fact, through their rejection, he opens up the hearts of people. When, when I came to Christ, there were many around me that had rejected him. I don't even understand why I did, except that it was by his grace and his mercy. And because of that, because of that, in all the years that I've been walking with God, I have been able to share the love of God with those that rejected him at one time. And by the grace of God, they've opened up their hearts to Jesus Christ. Now, here, here's the amazing thing about John 15 and Romans 11. There's a parallel. It's side by side. In, in, in John 15, he, Jesus talks about him being the vine. In Romans 11, Paul talks about the natural olive tree. This olive tree is Israel. And, and he talks to it from, a, from a, a, a supernatural stance. That this, this tree are the, are the people of Israel. And, and the people of Israel that have put their faith in God. So it's spiritual Israel. It's those that have trusted in the love of God. And, and this, is, this is what Paul writes. He says, he says, some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. And what we find is that the branches don't support the tree. The root does. And the root is Jesus. And it's by his grace that, that the nations have been able to come into this wonderful nourishment of this this amazing supernatural tree. The, the people of faith, the, 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 the Israel of God, those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and, and we find that we shouldn't brag about it. We shouldn't say, yeah, we're here and you're not. The reality is that we're longing. We're longing for those that are not a part of this tree to, to be in it. Whether it's our, our, our friends who are Gentile or whether it's our friends who are Israel lights who are Jewish. We, we're longing for, for them to come back. And he's saying the, the, the natural branch that was broken off because of their hardened hearts gave an opportunity for those that were afar off, those that were walking independently of God to be grafted into this wonderful tree. How much greater would it be when those that were a part of this tree 
are brought back and grafted into this wonderful tree. You see, the heart of every believer should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, should be praying for the restoration of Israel, for them to come back into faith. And many, many, many of the Jewish people have come to faith. And many, many, many of the Jewish people are going to come in, into faith. We see that in, in, in chapter 11. You see, uh, the evidence number three is that the hardening is temporary. You see, God won't waste a hardened heart. God sees a big picture, and we only see the small one. God knows the future, and we don't. And his plan is laid out from the foundation of the world. He's not going to make a mistake even when people do. Even when people harden their hearts uh, upon God, God's not going to make a mistake. God's going to work behind the scenes. God's going to work in every circumstance. God's going to work in every hardened heart. Um, the Apostle Paul, he, he, he's being used as an instrument as he writes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and verse 13, he says this, I'm saying all this especially for you Gentiles. In other words, you, you Gentiles that have been grafted in to this wonderful, natural, spiritual olive tree. He said, God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this. For I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have. So I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. And we, and we see that God, God is using everything. So he's using this window, this window of time. To open up a door to the nations of the world. To, to the Gentiles who, who didn't know God. Who, who didn't walk with him. Who walked independently of God. Some, some of the Gentiles who, who, who worshipped many gods. Who, who, who had a philosophy of there is no God. Or, or, or just different kinds of thinking. And, and, and through the rejection of one nation. It's opened up a door for many nations to come to faith. It's, it's, it's a wonderful plan of God, but, but we find that, that, that all of this is, is temporary because there's coming a day. There's coming a day where, where, where the fullness of the Gentiles, where the fullness of the nations, and this gospel will be preached to every man and every woman, and, and people will come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and Paul says, and, and then the door is, 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 is going to be opened wide for the nation of Israel. In, in verse uh, 25, he says, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Let's pause right there real quick. And Paul, as he's being used by the Holy Spirit, is always going to direct us not to be, be proud about who we are because it's by his grace. It's by the grace of God that we stand forgiven. He goes on, he says, some of the people of Israel have, have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles come to Christ. In verse 26, he says, so all Israel will be saved. All Israel. Now, now let's think about it. There's not two tracks to God. There's not the track of Israel, the nation of Israel, 
and the track of, of the Gentiles or the church, those that are saved. There's not two trees. There's not an olive tree for, for national Israel and an olive tree for, for uh, those in the church. It's one tree. There's one track. And that one track is Jesus. That one path is Jesus Christ. And so he's saying all of Israel will be saved. He's not, he's not saying all of the, the nation of Israel. There are some people that rejected him. There's, there are some that even at, 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 the, at the time of his crucifixion, that they, they hardened their hearts and they hardened their hearts to the rest of their life. But he's saying that the whole of Israel, the, those that God has called are going to come to faith. And spiritual Israel is vitally important here because, because it talks to everyone who's named the name of Christ, everyone that has the same faith of Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And every person who believes God and trusts in Jesus, it will be counted to them as righteousness. You see, the plan of God is so much bigger than ours. No one tells God what to do or how to do it because then it would be done imperfectly. God's plan is perfect. And the Apostle Paul ends these three chapters as he's thinking about Israel. And he writes this. In chapter 11, verse 33 to 36, he says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. Let's say that again. How great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him. And exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. You see, God's plan is perfect. And God's plan for you that are listening today, for you that are watching today, his plan is for you to be a part of the vine. For you to find out that apart from Christ, you can do nothing. But with Christ... You will bear so much fruit. His plan is for you to be a part of this tree, this wonderful, wonderful olive tree. It's a supernatural tree. It's God's tree. And when you're a part of that tree, you'll be grafted in, and, and the nourishment of the tree will be yours. And the promises of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob will be yours as well. But you can't have this until you say yes to Jesus. And I just believe that there are many that are watching, that it's your time to say yes to the one that came for you. He came because he loved you so much. He came because he has a better plan for your life. He came because he wanted to offer you forgiveness. And to receive him and to say yes is as easy as A, B, C. The A says, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that my way is not the right way. The B is you believe, you put your trust in Jesus. You believe that his ways are greater than yours. And the C stands for confess. You confess him as your Lord and Savior. And you choose to follow him from this day forward. So if that's you 
this, this, uh, this day, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's just, God, I come to you today and I admit that I am in need of you in my life. I admit that I am a sinner. I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. And so today I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ came and he died for me on the cross at Calvary. And that he rose again on the third day just like the Bible said he would. I confess him as my Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow him from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are a child of God. You have entered into that plan that God has had for you from the foundation of the world. His peace is available to you in, 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 in immeasurable ways. His joy will be your strength. He will guide you in whatever you're going through. His word, his word will be a lamp unto your feet. So God has a wonderful plan. And so uh, for you that come, came to faith today, we're saying rah, rah, rah. And we'd love for you to put the hallelujah praise hands and just we, so we can know that you gave your life to Jesus. Uh, you can also put down on the, on the comments, I said yes to Jesus today. And we're going to celebrate with you. Now, if you're here and you've, you've walked with God, and God has is, is, is showed you that, that a hardened heart is not, is not too big for, for him, that he can use it, and he won't waste a hardened heart. And maybe you've got loved ones that have a hardened heart. And so we're praying for them. We're, we're going to stand with you believing that God's not done. He's still working. He still has a plan. And we're going to believe that he's going to bring them back through, to use you, use other people that, that are a part of his plan to bring them to that restoration and that grace and that love. So God loves you very much, and I pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll be praying for you in the grace of Jesus. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.